Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. We have hit our second season transition this week. Uh, we'll be doing a little bit of winter and spring sports. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, evening, everyone. Uh, hopefully everybody is doing well. Um, hopefully everybody is doing considerably better than the men's hoops team has been the last couple of weeks. Um, but we will get. We are excited tonight to have a really cool guest. We're going to have Josh Walfish from the DNR joining us. He is the, um, covering both the men's and women's basketball teams this year. He's going to fill us in a little bit on what's been going on with the men's team and how they're going to try to work this crazy end of the season schedule. Uh, and certainly give us some insight on both teams that we're excited to hear about. We are, as always, brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room anytime. Uh, mention the JMU Sports Blog podcast, and you get a free Pale Fire pint glass. So hopefully everyone will get a chance as the weather warms up to get down there and enjoy their patio right downtown. Um, last thing before we get started, I know a couple of you, a few of you, uh, listened through uh, our lengthy interview with an old friend of ours who is a sports agent and who had a couple clients in the Olympics a few weeks ago, Doug Eldridge. Uh, we're really excited to say that his clients, Chris and Alexa, who are the Paris figure skating team, uh, were a part of the U.S. team that won the bronze medal in the team competition. So that was really cool to see for someone we got to talk about and kind of hear their story a few weeks back. So congrats to Doug and congrats to Chris and Alexa for sure. Um, but without further ado, we're going to welcome Josh Walfish to the podcast. Um, Josh is covering, has been covering, I think, last year and this year, right? Uh, the yep. men's and women's hoops teams. Yep, this is uh, coming up on the end of, of year two for me, covering the Dukes. That's great. So, Josh, so, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Oh, no, Josh, um, first of all, thanks for coming on. We really, we've been excited about this. Um, we kind of asked you last minute, but we really appreciate you jumping on the show. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what it's like to cover uh, both men's and women's hoops teams. Um, do you have access to practice? Is it something, do you have day-to-day contact with the team or are you just kind of taking in the games and um, doing the research on the side? Yeah, it, it, covering those two programs is very much night and day, um, really, uh, <laughs> for, 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 for me personally, because honestly, men's basketball, it being sort of a more prominent sport, there's more, I'll say, regulations, restrictions, you know, information's a little bit uh, harder to get sometimes than the women's team, although JMU is fantastic, you know, particularly with, with the incidents last week with the mumps, they were fantastic Yeah. in terms of, of communicating with me, making sure that if I had questions about JMU policy, about what was going on, they were very quick to answer those. So I, I do appreciate the people in the ethics communications office, but... Particularly, I'll say, I'll look specifically at during CEA play because non-conference play is a mess because, <laughs> the, you know, you can have situations like this year where the men play Friday, Monday, and the women play Saturday, uh, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then Wednesday, and so at that point in November, December, I'm running around to the convocation center probably about once a day, either to cover a game, to talk to people after practice or before practice and talking with coaches. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a very hectic time, all while also trying to at, at times <laughs> help out with Jamie football coverage if, if they're doing well in the playoffs. Right. So, yeah. 
So that, that that's a little bit hectic. But during CA play, obviously one of the beautiful things of a regimented schedule is you really kind of get into a flow of things. So for the most part for me, uh, Tuesdays we have the O'Neills. So I'll go to O'Neills. I'll ask my questions oh, cool. of Sean, uh, of Lewis Rowe there. And then Tuesday afternoon-ish, um, there's that wonderful sweet spot between 3.30 and, and 4.30 where the women's team is done practicing, the men's team is about to go practice. So I'll talk with the men before their Tuesday practice. I'll talk to the women after their Tuesday practice. I'll watch a little bit of both practices. Um, if need be, sometimes that, that, that's a Wednesday, <laughs> and I'll watch some Wednesday practice. So I, I try to watch a little bit of practice about once a week. And then obviously Thursday through Sunday is dependent upon whether the, the Dukes are at home or on the road. And if they're at the combo, chances are I'll be courtside mm -hmm. uh, trying to protect my computer from uh, <laughs> flying remote students and uh, yeah. other, other uh, basketball-related uh, incidents. That's great. Uh Josh, one thing we want to ask about is uh, I think most people have noticed with you and Greg Medea the last couple of years that the quality of coverage has been, let's just say it's been a big step up from what we've been used to in the Valley. Um, yes. That's not a knock on anyone that came before, but it's, it's, um, it's been great. And you're legit. You, I, I think you're a Medill school grad, right? I am proud, proud Northwestern alum. Yeah, so that's about. I mean, for anybody, I guess that that's decent pedigree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say for anybody who doesn't know, that's about as good as it gets from um, the journalism school side. Did, did you always want to cover sports or basketball in particular? Oh God! Uh, <laughs> I, I literally, I had this conversation Saturday night. <laughs> I, I I went up because Northwestern was playing in College Park, so I went up for the game. Oh cool! And I had dinner with uh, with family and. Somebody, and there was a family friend of ours who was there, and she asked me, like, how did you want to become a journalist and whatnot? <laughs> um, so I, I told this story very, very, very recently. Okay. But for me, it was always, like, I grew up, uh, I spent the first six years of my life living in Boston. So I, I learned to read, reading the sports section of the Boston Globe. <laughs> and it was one of those things that I was always fascinated. Like, I would go to a Bruins game, or I'd go to a Celtics game, and I'd wake up the next morning, I'd read the, the, in the newspaper about the game, and I'd hear from the players what they thought, you know, what, what, they, were, what they said about the cool plays that I just saw. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do. Um, and took some detours along the way in terms of figuring out, okay, what actually, how do I actually attain that goal? Mm -hmm. um, but it really was. It, it, I was very fortunate that, from the age of four or five years old, I knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, what's the best way to get there? <laughs> and obviously the best way uh, took me through the valley. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet Harrisonburg oh. wasn't on your radar back then. <laughs> no, it, it was certainly not on my radar back then. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it, it's cool probably to get to cover two programs um, kind of different in different stages of their, of their lives or maturity. You know, you've got the women who are closing in on another CAA title and the men who are kind of in the midst of rebuilding. That's got to be kind of fun from a journalist perspective. Um, at least it's something different, you know? It, it is. Okay. It, 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 no, it, I, 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 love, I love my job. So it's everything, I, everything I do is fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it is. It, it is 
it is hard to cover a team in a rebuilding stage when nobody, no, the fan base is not a big fan of rebuilding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and, and that's sort of the problem. Is, but, but, and and even, even the women's basketball team, yeah. when, when they were four and seven this year, and people are like, oh, I don't know if Sean O'Regan's the right head coach. And it's like, it's really hard to cover teams in that predicament mm-hmm. because you have coaches, and, and Lewis Rowe is very good at this. Lewis Rowe is a player's coach. He's going to go out there and he's going to defend his guys to the hilt. Mm-hmm. And when all he's sort of seeing from a, either a fan perspective or <laughs> media perspective is <laughs> this team stinks, right. it becomes more difficult sometimes to, to, to sort of ask questions in a way that's going to get you answers that are going to help fans understand what's actually going on. Yeah, and it's, it's a conversation I have a lot with, with you know, between Lewis Rowe and people in the office and, and, and you know, fans who sort of <laughs> tweet or email at me is there is a plan for both, for, for both these teams. There was a plan there were some unlucky bounces that happened for, for both of these teams. And it's hard to fully explain it sometimes. And so from that perspective, uh, it is, it's difficult. It, it's a challenge. But it, 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 is, it, it is fun for me to watch these two programs and understand how young they are mm-hmm. and how good they can be in two to, two to three years. That to me is very exciting because I could say, "Hey, yeah, you know, I, I I knew I knew them when they were uh, <laughs> yeah. when they were still rebuilding." Uh, but it, it, there's a lot of excitement going on around these two programs. If you kind of take a, a take a step back and really sort of look at what is what is transpiring on the court for these two teams. Well, that, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because one consistent theme that Todd and I have had all years, you know, like. Um, Roe is learning as a coach, but we are very encouraged by the type of mm-hmm. roster he's he's put together so far. Um, from our perspective, you know, just watching on TV and stuff, it's night and day from last year. This team seems so much more talented um, from the perspective of a, of a fan, you know, kind of looking from afar. We really are excited about these young freshmen getting minutes. Um, guys like Stucky Mosley have come in and, I mean, he's averaging 20 points a game. Um, so you, you sense that same sort of enthusiasm. It certainly sounds like you agree. Um, that there are reasons to be optimistic. Uh, in addition to talent, what else are you seeing that, that maybe fans you wish fans knew and might brighten out their out, brighten their outlook a bit? Just think about the fact that this is a team that, with with Joey McLean being injured, the past for basically for the past month and a half, mm-hmm. that is playing with eight players, five of whom are freshmen, and ten of their last eleven games have been decided by single digits, and the fact that all these close losses. I know how difficult it is as fans, but this is a team with playing five freshmen in an eight-player rotation who is battling everybody in the CAA down to the final second. Mm-hmm. I, there is a heart, a fight, a never-say-diagonal, however you want to describe it. That, that is sort of the, the pinnacle of this optimism. It's not like these players are, are ta- uber-talented, and going out and losing by 15 to 20 every night. 
they're really competitive with some of the best in the CAA. You know, they go to Charleston, which is not an easy place to play, mm-hmm. and give and give Charleston, who's currently leading the league, everything they can handle. I mean, Hofstra's a very good team. They just went to UNC Wilmington and got thrashed by 20. JMU, despite what Kaycock did, despite Kaycock <laughs> going for 24 points and 20, uh, 26 points and 24 rebounds against them, had a chance to tie the game in the final 10 seconds in Trask Coliseum. That's, those are moments that in the, in, in, in the moment, it's a frustrating loss. It's a difficult loss. Mm-hmm. But ooh, that, that, that is a big sign of the potential of this team and what they can do uh, in, in, in the years to come as they continue to learn and, and mature in the game. Yeah, that's really I great. Actually think, I actually think McLean's injury, um, while it's been disappointing to not see him you know, full health as a senior, I think that could be a bit of a blessing in disguise uh, with the way it's given Matt Lewis opportunity to really take control of that point guard position. Um, he's just been a revelation from, from my perspective. You know, he came in, I, I think he was a shooting guard in high school, and he's kind of learning the point on the job. And uh, the way he's controlling the ball and not turning, limiting the turnovers um, and then, you know, able to get to the hole and score, his shooting needs to improve. But as a freshman, you'd expect that. I mean, he's been outstanding. Banks has been outstanding. Um, I think Zach Jacobs has a really high ceiling. He's been a little bit inconsistent, but – I don't know. I'm I'm still really excited about this team, and I think they could contend in a year or two. No, there's, and there's not about. I mean, you mentioned obviously the the two big guys and Banks and, and Matt Lewis and what they've been able to do. But even looking at a guy like Dwight Wilson and the progress he's made since the beginning of the season. Oh yeah. To 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 now, you look at, at Greg Jones who came in as a real tweener. Who you know he was maybe a little bit too big to be a guard. Maybe not quick and athletic enough to be a guard, you know, a little too small to be a forward. But he's found some sort of niche, uh, uh, some sort of niche as this very athletic wing player who can guard multiple positions and brings a lot of energy and rebounding and defense to this team. All of these freshmen have stepped up and found their roles and excelled in their roles, and that's all you can ask for from freshmen. I mean, yeah. yes, you can. You can. You're not going to have a lot of success if you're asking. Matt Lewis to score 20 points a night and Darius Bakes to score 20 points a night <laughs> and lead the team that way, mm-hmm. right? With, with what Matt's doing with the ball, some days he's going to have some great shooting nights and some days the shots aren't going to fall. But as long as he's, he's consistent in terms of taking care of the basketball, finding open teammates, you know, that, that's the recipe for success this season for JMU. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, and before we get to uh, looking ahead to Charleston, we do have to ask you the tough question that I can't believe I'm asking in 20, the year 2018, which is we got to ask about the mumps. Um, you were, you, obviously, as you said, JMU seemed to work with you really well on getting some information out to the fans. Uh, I was kind of surprised as someone who works at another university at how much information they, you were able to come up with. Um, this is obviously, there's certainly both the students and the coaches have you know, privacy rights and some, there's HIPAA concerns. There's probably FERPA concerns for the students. Um, so what is the latest with the team and, and what's the schedule going to be like going forward after missing a week or more? So I mean, you, you look at the schedule, this is going to be a very hectic schedule for these guys coming up in the next two weeks as they race toward the CAA tournament. They're going to play 
Tuesday night against UNC Wilmington at home. They'll play Thursday night at home against Charleston. Both those teams have reigning co-CA players of the week, so that'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) They're going to be at Towson on Saturday. Then they get a little bit of a breather. They go back into a normal-ish week, hosting Hofstra on Thursday, what is it, the 22nd. And then they'll go to Delaware the 24th. And then they'll be in Elon the 26th. Woohoo! And then take a breather. We'll figure out where they are for the CAA tournament. And then they'll play the CAA tournament. And barring a miraculous run, that is the end of the season. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it it is going to be a lot of games, not a lot of practice. But as as Lewis Rowe told me uh, this morning, they're young. These are young kids. All they want to do is play basketball. You don't mm-hmm. really know any better. It's not the worst thing in the world. Just go out there, play basketball, yeah. have fun, let's execute what we want to execute, and the chips will fall where they may. At least from what you've seen, are they going to be relatively relatively healthy in terms of the roster going in tomorrow night? So that that is a that is something that I cannot That's really a- discuss. That's what too I figured. Much after yeah. the fact that obviously the player who has, was sort of was diagnosed with mumps is questionable okay. for Tuesday's game. You're yep. going to have to read the DNR Tuesday morning to figure out <laughs> who that player is. Understood. Um, mostly because of the way JMU has sort of described the situation. Yeah, it's got to be hard they, for them. I mean, correct, and, and, and it, is, it is very hard for them. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about this, and reality, the only reason, getting back to your point about sort of the, the, the privacy laws, yeah. was the only reason I knew about Lewis Rowe in terms of him getting tested was because he was supposed to appear on the CA Men's Basketball Teleconference <laughs> last Tuesday and didn't. Right. He was supposed to appear at O'Neill's and didn't. And so when they announced sort of publicly that Lewis Rowe is under the weather and therefore is not able to appear, right. and then a couple hours later is like, oh, there's suspected mumps on the team. <laughs> they're canceling all the games, yeah. <laughs> right, and they're postponing games. Right. JMU was basically saying, listen, yes, they're related. He is being tested, is not confirmed. Um, yeah, and then Friday, um, I'm going to cover the women's game, and I want I see Lewis Rowe exiting the convocation center, mm-hmm. and so at that point, I'm like, all right, why is he at the convocation center? It's been cleared, <laughs> right? Like, like part part of it is just you know, getting back to what's like covering the team is being able to clue into your surroundings, cluing into what is going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you get information. It's not just sort of waiting by your phone and, and hoping that you get some information. It's saying, hey, I'm counting the, the players and they're <laughs> down a player on the court for warm-ups. Why is this player not uh, uh, in, in warm-ups? Or in Joey McLean's case, he was playing. He played those two games at, Char- at Wilmington at Charleston. And then I believe it was uh, – the, who, I forgot who they played that, that Thursday afternoon. Right. It might have been the, 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 the Towns game. He walks down a walking boot. It's like, okay, well, that, 
that is big, yeah. that is news. Yes. <laughs> you know, Joey McClain being in a walking boot, he's he's not going to play to that. Yeah. Uh, so so it's part of it is, is paying attention to surroundings and asking questions like that. But Jamie, you did a, a good job of saying, listen, you know, we can confirm this is what happened. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't give you any more information, but you can infer from what we told you about the wider the yeah. wider sort of uh, aspect to that. And, and I tried very hard, particularly when it came to this story, to understand that there are some people who did not want their identities revealed yeah. as being associated with this. And so even though, you know, in terms of the information I got and being able to piece together things, it's one of the things as, as, as a human, yes, understanding that, as much as it would be nice for me to say, these are your four people who had or suspected of having mumps, and these are the three people that were confirmed. It made no sense to do that. No. Um, so. Yeah, I think JMU's done everything they can. I mean, in, in terms of they, I, I'm just, I mean, they obviously had an obligation to kind of notify their opponents in the conference and and deal with this from a safety perspective, but they also have that dual interest in protecting the privacy of their own students and employees. And it's definitely a tough spot to be in. So I, I, I mean, we, we can't, we have no fault with the way this has gone, gone the last week or so. And yeah. we just wish all those guys well and hope everybody gets healthy soon. But I, I certainly hope so too, because if this team is healthy, they're going to be, they're going to be a fun team to watch down in North Charleston in a couple of weeks. Yes. Well, speaking about that, I mean, it's the league. Um, we've been saying it's wide open. It, it's, come to be Charleston's kind of separated itself from the pack but it still seems like one of those uh, years where it's really hard to predict and I would not be shocked if we see some of the teams that play in that first round win an extra game or two like it, you know JMU has competed with everybody I can't think of a single game that they haven't been in um, Drexel until recently you know was red hot I think they won four or five straight yeah um, what's your what's your outlook or what's your prediction for Charleston it's, or for the tournament not the team well, I mean, we're going to start right there. I mean, there's a reason why the Charleston Cougars were the pre- unanimous preseason favorite. And that was they return everybody. Mm-hmm. And Brent, the, the, the big thing with, with the Collins of Charleston was they didn't have Jarrell Brantley for the first half of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. And as they sort of slowly integrated him back to the, to, into the fold, he got more comfortable you know, they dropped a couple of games and went to, to Drexel and lost. They lost a couple other road games. But now that he's playing at near 100%, I mean, they're, they're the clear class of the conference. Uh, yeah. And after that, it's a jumbled mess. <laughs> because Northeastern's playing very good right now. And that's a big credit to, to Bill Cohn, who I think will, will receive a lot of votes for Coach of the Year. Well, he's uh, a good coach. You know, he's a fantastic coach. He's running that system very well. I put William and Mary dead last in my <laughs> preseason ballot because I did not know what to expect from them. Right. And they are still a team I don't really know what to expect from them. Because they can shoot the they can shoot the lights out, but they can't defend. They can't you know, play D. No. They, struggle oh. to, they struggle to defend, <laughs> yeah. but they can outscore anybody. So can is the offense going to be able to hold up? Towson is Towson. You know, I, I remember. You know, one of the things that really stuck out to me after the game last Saturday was Coach Pat Scary talking about the fact that his team just not committed to defense right now. 
<laughs> and if Dallas is not committed to defense, they're lost. Right. Um, yeah. Honestly, we, we saw what Drexel can do if Isabel and Austin Williams are playing well. UNCW is probably a little bit surprisingly bad this year. Um, but they've shown the ability that they can compete with the best of the best and, and outscore. Well, Paycock alone could steal your gamer game <coughs> in the tournament. A hundred percent. Elon is Elon Delaware are two teams that I think are kind of out of it because I, I don't think they can put together four consecutive, you know, three or four consecutive right. days of good performances. But nobody wants to play GMU. You yeah. talk about teams, nobody wants to play GMU. Yeah. Yeah. You look at what this young team has done this season, nobody wants to play GMU on a neutral court. Mm-mm. Because you talk about teams that, that, can, that can win an extra two game, JMU is at the top of that list because when the defense is on, like it had been up until the, the, the months uh, right, incident, right. <laughs> right? And offensively, Stucky gets going, and Matt has a good half, and they get DeVell involved on the inside. They're a hard team to defend, too. Yeah. And yeah. so all of a sudden, if JMU is defending well and forcing a turnover and, and pushing the pace a little bit and, and playing the type of style that Lewis Rowe wants to play, they're, they're a team that can win a game or two. Now, I don't know if they can match up with a Charleston in, in a final situation, but it, it, it's wide open after Charleston. That, 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 is, that is for sure. Yeah, but, that's what we think, too. Yeah. Well, can we move over to the women's team and ask you some questions that might be even more optimistic? <laughs> oh, well, well, hopefully. Hopefully I'll, I'll be a little bit more optimistic on the women. All right. Well, we're glad, and you can pass along to Coach O'Regan that uh, we are we are really glad that Coach Clace Balcom of um, Women's Lacrosse broke the JMU Sports Blog Coach Curse this week. <laughs> so we had Coach O'Regan on at the start of the season, and then they went four and seven and out of conference play. And yeah. we, we had Coach Morgan from Field Hockey on before the CAA tournament, and then they lost in the final. Um, the semi- they didn't even make the final. They, lost they didn't the even make the final, right. Yeah, some of them. But we had uh, Coach Shelley on last week for, to pre- uh, preview the lacrosse season, and obviously the lacrosse team went out and uh, upset the number three team in the nation, North Carolina, over the weekend in double overtime. That, so, that, was, that was a huge win, huge win for them. Just enormous. And Towson, I think, beat the number four team, Penn State, in the yep. nation. So big start for the CAA, for sure. Um, but Coach O'Regan, you know, he – JMU had a tough out-of-conference schedule this year. Tougher um, than they I mean, anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they yeah. meant to go 4-7, and seven, but they built it up, you know. But they've really come alive in CAA play. And do you think that's more – I mean, I guess what we always get nervous about is, is that more a reflection of the difference in competition or has, there, has the program made strides this season, do you think? It's both. Okay. Um, Obviously, it's much easier to play Hofstra and Northeastern than it is to play Tennessee and Florida State. Right. So let, let, let's, let, let, let's get that out of the way. The fact mm-hmm. is that at one point in December, JMU was, I think they were, they were two and six in all six teams that they lost to ranked in the top 25. Yeah, it's tough. Right? Way to... so, so obviously, the thing is not going to provide that sort of challenge on, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. But at the end of the day, it's defense. It's this team has found a way to play great defense, and that great defense has led to good offense. And it's sort of become this very cyclical 
uh, sort of situation where they're playing good defense and good defense leads the offense and the offense gets a little, gets hot and all of a sudden they're scoring 65, 70 points a game, something they really couldn't do during the non-conference slate. And they're holding teams to below 50. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the part about this, this team that I think it makes me most excited about the future and, and sort of looking at even the CA tournament in Philly coming up in a, in a couple of weeks is if they play defense, if they play defense like you're capable of playing, there's not many teams in CA that are going to be able to beat them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even Elon, you think about this, Elon scored 50 in their only loss. Elon scored 50 points and had to hold JMU to 23 21% shooting to beat them. Mm-hmm. And even though they've dropped 21%, they still had the ball with a chance to tie the game in the final minute. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how good Jamie's defense is, uh, that you can compensate for some missed shots. And that's very scary on, on a neutral site. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the, the, the biggest thing for them is they've started to get more consistent play out of Logan Reynolds. And yeah. Logan dealt with, with a couple of things early in the season that kind of put her in and out of the lineup. But she's, she's sort of the leader on both ends of the floor. She's the person who is playing that strong safety position, as, as Sean Regan always loves to say, mm-hmm. is getting steals and pushing the ball and getting easy baskets that way. And offensively, she's being more aggressive and she's drawing defenders and she's kicking it out for, for open shots. And, and people are trying to make those open shots now. So it's a combination of the fact they're playing great defense and they're getting the leadership they need from the point guard position. That's great. See, that, that's interesting. Cause, um, <clears throat> we talked to Coach O, you know, earlier mm-hmm. earlier this year, and um, he mentioned how they didn't have that kind of alpha alpha role. They didn't have a precious call or, you know, um, one big player. But you've got players like Logan or Camille Smalls who stepped up. Um, it seems to be more of a team approach this year rather than just one, one big dog that's going to go out and score everybody. Who else do you think has really found the right niche? And um, in addition to kind of Logan and, and Camilla, um, can you talk a little bit about some of the other players on the squad who are contributing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, Kamaya, I should have said in my previous answer, Kamaya Smalls' uh, consistency was a huge difference. I mean, she, she had tons of talent last year and couldn't put it, could put, couldn't put it together consistently. She's doing that this season. Um, but in terms of everybody else, like, like you said, I, I think it is. It's a team effort. It's Haley Barron and Tasia Butler as the team's only seniors saying, we're willing to come off the bench and add that little spark, whether it be defensively or our big three or a big rebound. Like that's, they're committed to that. And like glue guys. And, 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 and exactly. And Nia Young being that defensive energy and coming into the game and making a difference with her defensive IQ and, and the way she sees opponents. Devin Merritt coming in and playing, uh, you know, absolutely sensational as, as, a, as a forward playing 15 and 20 minutes a game. But if you're pointing to one player, you're point, well, if you're pointing to sort of one player, it's probably either Kelly Kashuda or Kayla Cooper Williams. And okay. The fact is, Jamie has an inside presence now. Mm-hmm. That's something they sorely missed last year. Yeah. And if if Kayla if Kayla had seen healthy last season, that I think Jamie probably wouldn't see a championship. And I think they might have actually won, <laughs> given how Elon played in the seed in, in their first round uh, tournament game. I think Jamie might have actually won that game 
mm-hmm. because JMU had an inside. When JMU has an inside presence, it opens everything up. Right. And I, I feel like having a Kayla Cooper Williams last year would have given Precious Hall more room to operate, even even though everybody knows, hey, if you stop Precious Hall, you know, you got a good chance of winning. So having that inside presence, having somebody like Kelly Kashuda, who when she gets the ball in the post is going to find ways to get a shot up, or having somebody like Kayla Cooper Williams, who maybe isn't getting as many plays drawn up for her, but she's grabbing offensive rebounds and going back up strong and drawing fouls and, and converting three-point plays. Those little things are, are making a big difference for Jamie this year. Cool. It's great to hear. Uh, one thing this year, so, I mean, one last question on the women's team is, uh, this is a one-bid league this year, uh, it looks like, on the women's side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and men's side. And, yeah, and men's side, but, but certainly on the women's side as well. Um, and JMU, has a, they're up a game on Drexel, who they did lose to the first time around. But they are 12-1, and one, Drexel's 11-2. and two. I mean, what do you think JMU needs to do, not only to clinch the regular season, but, but really to be successful in the postseason? I mean, like I said, it, it's, it starts with their defense. If they can – if they shut down teams and – that's, that's the train. <laughs> All right. I was like, I'm going to edit that out. The, boom, yep. train. Yep. Uh, no, it, it, it's all going to start with their, with their defense, as I was saying before. Yep. If, if they're able to put pressure on teams and they're able to force turnovers and convert those turnovers into points, mm-hmm. it's, th- those are going to be the type of assets that are going to win them, win them games. I remember a couple weeks ago when they played Hofstra, you know, they forced 20 turnovers and scored 30 points off of them. That's 33 points right there by just playing great defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and not having to do as much on offense. Uh, so, so if, if they can play great defense, I mean, that's going to be the start of it. They have to rebound the ball. Uh, that's been sort of a, I don't want to say it, it, it's been an issue for them because they've, they've proven that they can rebound the ball with the best teams in the country. But there are times where the effort defense, uh, the effort rebounding sometimes drops a hair mm-hmm. and maybe they, they miss a box out and all of a sudden a team gets off its rebound and a put back. And those are plays that in the grand scheme of things maybe aren't going to be too hurtful, but at the wrong moment, if you give up an offensive rebound and a put back, that, that could be the difference, difference in the game. So I'm going to sound like a very, I'm going <laughs> to sound very coach. Like when I say defensive rebounding is going to win them a championship. That's, that's what it is because this team is not good enough in the half court set to beat a team like Drexel. Okay. <laughs> just not, they need they need to be able to push the pace. They need to get Drexel out of their comfort zone if they're going to have some success. And you know when they not not this coming Friday, but but next Friday mm-hmm. when they go to Drexel, that is the most important game of the season because you win that game. And you're in the and, and you clinch that number one seed. Mm-hmm. That means having to only beat Drexel or Elon in the in in not to win a CA title right. and yeah. not having to play both, barring Elon absolutely collapsing in the last you know couple weeks and losing to teams they have no business losing to. Yeah. Do the, um, does so the women's regular season games. champ get a uh, get a WNIT bid like the men too? Like if they were to lose, do you know that if they were to lose in the so, conference so, so, tournament? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, they, 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 they do. Um, yeah, so that's a big. I mean, not that the team wants to think that way, but for fans, it's certainly a nice, 
you know, if you clinch that one seed, that's a nice thing in your back pocket. Right. So, yeah. so the way that the way the WNIT works is every conference gets a bid. So it's the highest ranked team that did not win their conference tournament gets the automatic bid. But again, with the landscape of college basketball as it is, um, JMU is, is going to be playing in some sort of postseason. Oh, sure. Um, it, it's hard for me to, 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 to think that the WNIT is going to bypass James Madison this year. But yeah. maybe, maybe they will. I, I can guarantee you it is the last thing on anybody's mind. Yes, the in the program. Right, right now. They're, they're, they're focused on sort of avenging that loss last year. Uh, to Elon at the Convocation Center. That that is that is on the forefront of everybody's mind. Good. Well, we wouldn't want to hear it any other way. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Right. right. Well, Josh, we can't thank you enough. Um, you guys can find Josh on Twitter at Josh underscore DNR Sports. I think I got that right. Yes, um, you did. Yeah. Anywhere else? Anything else you want to uh, throw in here at the end? No. Nah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun over the past two years to, to, to cover this team as much as I may have given some fans grief for uh, the <laughs> lack of uh, the lack of support. Um, you know, they, 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 they make, they, they make things interesting at the end, at the end of the day, when you have a passionate fan base and you have a committed fan base that is uh, dedicated and wants the best for the program and is sort of willing to go out there and criticize, maybe unfairly criticize, but go out there and <laughs> criticize people. <laughs> um, you know, it, it makes it makes things it, it makes things exciting. It makes the work I do even more important than having to sort of write for an apathetic fan base that is like, yeah, maybe maybe we'll win this year, maybe we won't. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter yeah, one way or the other. There's there's a lot of history of Jamie basketball. Um, believe it or not, like when we were in school, and Todd and I are both both lungs graduated in the '90s. Um, it was definitely more of a basketball school. Um, football was was way more below the radar. Um, things have been flip flopped quite a bit, but there's a lot for the older alums. Um, a yeah. lot of us really kind of are still drawn to hoops, and um, would love to see the Duke get back to their winning ways more consistently. Uh, I, I I think I think I think Lou is is the guy. Like you said, you look at the guys he's brought into this program. It's it. It, it, it says something about the direction that, that he thinks JMU hoops can head, and clearly their talent level uh, is starting to, to back up some of, some of his beliefs. Well, the other thing is you talk to former players who played with him, and they just will not stop singing his praises. Um, they were so excited. We talked to a couple guys that had played with Lou when he, when he was a student at JMU, and they could not have been more excited about this hire. Um, and, I mean, there's that natural instinct for I mean, players to kind of look out for each other. But we've got a good friend who, who was on the squad, and he was super excited about this. Just thinks of, yeah. you know the, the best thing ever, and um, that enthusiasm certainly has appeared to translate in terms of recruiting. Um, so we're, we're optimistic. You know, it, he's still got to learn. He, he's a young coach, but we're willing to be patient. We've got plenty of reason to be excited. Um, I've had more fun watching the team this year than I have in years. So <laughs> even though the wins haven't come. Yep. I enjoy watching the games. It's a fun team to watch play. Like you mentioned, they, they appear to buy in. They play hard. Um, they're a bunch of easy easy guys to root for. So we're pulling for them to turn it around. Uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully they do it soon for you guys. So can, uh, <laughs> stop ha- stop yep. having to uh, answer some of those questions. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate you bringing on. Yeah, right, thanks, thanks, Josh. Th- thanks, guys. All right. Well, that was great. We hope you guys enjoyed talking to Josh. It really – we can't – 
emphasize enough. I mean, Rob and I have said over and over on this podcast since last August, just having Greg and uh, Medea and Josh at the DNR doing what they're doing the last couple of years has, I mean, it's raised the game for the whole athletic department. You know, I, I just, those guys have been, I mean, Josh is all over everything day to day to day, you know, and it's just been so much fun to have both of those guys um, picking up those two beats. So yeah, thank well, you for yeah. You know, he's picking up two teams, it's, two teams. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. big thanks to Rob for getting that organized tonight. Um, we did cover, we, we talked about lacrosse, their big win over the Tar Heels over the weekend. Congrats to lacrosse. Uh, softball did get the season started as well down in Mexico. I think they went three and two at their tournament down there. Uh, so a, a decent start. They have another fr- uh, freshman pitcher that looked really good. So in addition to no Adichie, pun intended, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> or, or possibly intended, but um, yeah. certainly the uh, rumors of their demise maybe exaggerated a little bit. We hope so. That's really good to see. Um, that's about all we're going to do tonight. We don't have any men's games to cover, uh, obviously from this week. So those of you down here in North Carolina, hope to see a bunch of you at that rescheduled game on Monday, the 26th at seven at Elon. So we'll be getting some triad and triangle Dukes stuff out soon. But we have an off topic tonight or an overtime topic tonight that Rob's going to introduce for us. Yeah, um, we just we didn't even invent this or we stole this from uh, Good Beer Hunting, which is an amazing site. They produce terrific content. on beer, you know, something that, that <laughs> we like a lot. Um, it's a great site though. Honestly, check it out. It's, it's got wonderful photography and really cool, like travel stories. And then, uh, also centering around craft beer. They put something out last week, just on one of their beer roll blogs about their kind of Mount Rushmore of craft beers. Um, and they were calling it Mount Crushmore. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess so it's just your four kind of favorite beers, however you define them. So we're each going to talk about that or, you know, our Mount Rushmore of beers and, um, we don't need to like rank them or anything. Just pick four beers and brief uh, why you picked it. So you want to go first? Sure. I guess I guess somebody over there is a uh, is a lettuce fan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is. Yeah. I actually uh, listened to that today. So. Okay. Um, so these were not. I, I think the way they defined it was not the best beers they'd ever had, but the beers they really couldn't live without. Right. Yeah. So, uh, at least for me, that means something like. Um, Heady toppers off the off the list. I obviously do live without that, you know. Most of the time, but yeah, <laughs> four out of every five years. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, look, all day IPA is the, the the one for me right now. The founders all day. That's our mm-hmm. cons- most consistent tailgate beer. It's a low alcohol IPA. Rob and I both like hoppy beers. It's a uh, this is a low alcohol version because most of those big IPAs are not appropriate for for drinking all day at a tailgate. No, so, not at all. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the thing. At this point, it's probably the only thing I buy in more than a six-pack, right? So I do occasionally get one of those 15-packs. I certainly do if we're going to a tailgate or something. Um, I, I can't think of the last time I bought a case of, you know, something else, basically. So that, that for me, is, is probably the, 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 the starter beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to just, you you want to steal four? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I one for me is an old standby. Um, it's hard for me to admit with Philly winning the Super Bowl, but the Victory Prima Pills is a, it just a real traditional pilsner from. No, that that's a terrific beer. I love that. Yeah, terrific beer, and just one of those that I, I would, you know, just a real go to 
and I would I would hate to not have that one in my life. Um, my other uh, Shinerbach for me will always be sort of my I don't know. I mean, I thought about putting Sierra here, but the truth is, as much as I do love Sierra, it's been kind of bypassed by other beers in its own category. That's actually one that's come up when you see these things online or on Twitter. Yeah. That, that's probably the most popular one that people are including. Yeah, these um, guys, uh, the guys who did the column said Sierra, Bell's Too Hearted, Coors, Original Coors, and Orville, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I was just thinking that Scheinerbach is probably more my Sierra. Yeah. Uh, sort of first, you know, first introduction to something that wasn't, Bud, Bud Light, Miller Light, yeah. that kind of thing. And just something that is a, a true, go, still remains a go-to. So, yeah, yeah those, are, those are probably my three that I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. How, many, mean, how many are on my Rushmore? Oh, four, yeah. Four? No, so four. I actually did, I have, okay, I, I like, I did wait, pick a few on. more. No, um, like my, I'm afraid I might be stealing one of yours, Rob. But I oh, do, the other fun. one I love is the, um, the crisp. The six oh, yeah. points crisp. Six point? yeah. yeah, which is another... You know, just real easy drinking. I guess that one is that one a lager as well, or is that a pilsner? But I think it's a pilsner. Uh, but yeah, you know, another no, real good, yeah. easy, well balanced day. Yeah, well balanced beer, not huge. Um, you know, none of those are the ones you're going to like choose if you have a hundred choices. But all no, of those are like trophy beers. But they're, no, but they're the kind of ones you're going to. I mean, they would be on the list of. They would certainly be the ones that I would hate to lose. So yeah, yeah, those are my four. Okay. I actually didn't choose that one, but I went with another New York beer. Um, I went Brooklyn Lager. Oh yeah, and I know it's. I I just love that beer. It's just it's well balanced. It's easy to drink. Um, it's not crazy. It's not like a trophy beer. You're not going to search for it, but mm-hmm. that's my go-to. I just I really enjoy it. Um, when we have like big parties, I usually serve that and then some other IPA. Just mm-hmm. I feel like it's something a lot of people can can grasp. So mm-hmm. that's a good one. I chose um Port City Essential Pale Ale. Oh yeah, I like that Good beer. Dukes. I like Port City, but it's also just kind of like I love the idea of having a local brewery. Um, yeah, and and nowadays, like being able to, most of us can choose our favorite local brewery. Mm-hmm. Port City happens to be mine. Um, obviously, the JMU connection, the fact that Bill Butcher had us over there before they opened, yeah. let us take some pictures of the blog and everything. But they make really, really good beers. Mm-hmm. Um, they make very drinkable beers. They're they've got you know their anniversaries can get can get like a little bit more extreme as they right. say or different but like uh essential pale ale is just a good everyday drinking um pale ale mm-hmm. so I, I like it but that was more like almost a stand-in for insert your favorite local brewery here mm-hmm. um another one we, we catch grief all the time for being ipa people um you know our, our <laughs> selections every week but yeah and this one again, I think it came in the article. Bell's too hearted. Yeah, that's kind of my go-to. Yeah, it's pretty tough um, to beat. That's just that's just a terrific beer. And if you know anybody who one, likes good beer, they like that beer, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, and and it's great that you can get it pretty much anywhere, anywhere. You know, any bar or restaurant in the country that has a decent beer list mm-hmm. is going to have that, which is great. And then my last one is Cigar City Highlight. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, just choose choose whatever hoppy beer you like but i really like that one it's becoming increasingly um more available all around and it's kind of a, a good go-to for me i also like it because it's available in cans which is which is great um, which is great you know yeah. you can bring it you know easy easy to bring for camping or out to the mountains or tailgate what have you so anyway that's my four i love those four i like the essential pale ale choice i, sh- I should have i struggle i thought about picking my guys chris and kane down here from natty greens with southern their session ipa but 
it's it doesn't really deserve the the Crushmore title. No, so, but I mean, it's just it's so cool. Now. I mean, like everybody's it so is great. There's so many good beers out there now, mm-hmm. and it's fun. I understand these people that like you know hunting out beers and waiting in lines, and I've gone through phases where I did more of that. Now I <laughs> I don't care. I'd rather just get a a good beer from down the street or something. But I love the fact that you go to pretty much any city in America now, and you can get a well-made IPA. A well-made, you know, pale ale. Um, if you're lucky, they can do a good pilsner or lager. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just fun. It's it is good time to be a beer fan. It's big time. Thank you, Rob. Um, I will talk to you next week. We will be three. There will be three men's games and two women's games to talk about next week. Yeah, in addition to all the spring sports, will be rolling. Um, I think I'm even going to try to check out a JMU baseball game down here at High Point if the weather allows this weekend. Nice. So nice. yeah, but uh. Yeah, so baseball, softball, lacrosse, both basketball teams all up and running right now. So and congrats of... again to, to Coach Shelley. Um, that oh, was a huge win. Enormous and, and win. I think Kristen Gowden, I think, got um, – Yeah, she had the game winner, right? And Well, she got the game winner, but yep. I think she was uh, National Player of the Week. So Oh, that's – I mean, good, I good way she had off. four goals or something? Yeah, I mean – She had they, five goals. Five goals. Fifth. Yeah. yeah, so what was it? 14 13 or 15 14 in double overtime yeah yeah it's crazy pretty tough to beat that for a home opener against the Tar Heels yep. so congrats to the Dukes Rob I will talk to you next week all right have a good one go Dukes